0: You are listening to the Startup Playground, show where I invite entrepreneurs, startup founders and game changers to talk about their success stories, learn from their mistakes and hear about their interesting experiences. And we are back! Hello and welcome to the newest episode of Startup Playground. And today, we got third female founder. She's in our playground filled with startups. And this week, we have Anya Muller, founder of think.dk. Startup goal is to create a place where curiosity and creativity is applauded and success is not measured by money made, but by positive impact. How? Let's find out more from Anya herself. Hey, Anya.
1: Hi, Elvis.
0: How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing very
0: well, thank you. Is it your first time in podcast, by the way?
1: Um, yes, it's the first time. It's the second time for a Think, but the first podcast was in Danish. And my Danish is not fluent yet, so that was my partner, Martin, who gave that interview.
0: Where are you from? I'm from Germany. Germany? Mm-hmm. I've been in Frankfurt. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know what I can say about Germany and the security control? They're really strict. Yes. <laughs> No bottled water. No bottled water. (laughs) Tell me about how is being entrepreneur in this, you know, fast moving world?
1: Oh, uh, intense is uh, the first word that comes to mind. Um, It's nice to have a lot of flexibility, but you also don't get a lot of sleep.
0: (laughs) That's the beauty, I guess, of the startups, right?
1: Yes, the flexibility and the freedom is nice. But I think a lot of times it looks much more romantic from the outside than it actually is. Because, of course, as a founder, um, especially without investors or stuff like that, you have to do everything yourself. You have to bring out the trash. You have to clean behind other people. And it's, uh, yeah, the to-do list never ends. It always grows every day, basically. And uh, there's a lot of tasks coming up that you never catch up with
0: and of course you, you can never be ready for startup no. you, know? you always have this uh, interesting journey of you know obstacles and success and fails and all that kind of thing. Yes. but you learn
1: yeah it's a very very steep learning curve definitely um, a lot of growth on all levels you get to know yourself and your limits and you leave your comfort zone every day so it's, yeah, intense. There is um, financial insecurity, I guess, in most um, startups. There is not enough sleep, I said that already. And then this kind of discrepancy between, oh, this is so cool what you're doing when I meet old friends from, from back in the days. And uh, my own perception is much more like, oh man, we still can't pay the rent. <laughs> it's like, yeah, a lot of times I think it looks more cool from the outside.
0: But uh, how I see startups is like, you know, it's like a mountain with, you know, never ending yes exactly. hill and never, you never know when you're going to reach the peak. Yeah.
1: Oh, I, we have this metaphor with the bottleneck. it It's a running gag now because it was maybe two years ago when I said to my partner the first time, I feel like now we're like in this bottleneck and like we're almost through it. And I keep saying that for two years now, like oh, now we can just live in the bottleneck basically, <laughs> but we can see the light. <laughs>
0: What can you tell me more about yourself, your life, you know, where are you from? We found out from Germany.
1: Yes, um, I'm born in Cologne and I grew up in northern Germany between Hamburg and Lübeck, which is, I think, a nice mix because northern Germans are maybe a little bit like Danish people, a little more tied up and um, not so open or funny, but the people from Cologne are. So I brought that from Cologne. I think um, all my relatives live there as well, and I really like to visit Cologne. But I moved there with my parents when I was two years old. And um, yeah, I went to school. My dad is a car journalist. I always wanted to become a car journalist because 15, 20 years ago, that was just the coolest job you could have in my childish perception. (laughs) But then I couldn't get an education spot in this. You know, I wanted to learn how to fix a car. But then the people said, yeah, but you're a girl and we don't have changing places for girls. And uh, then I'm like, okay. That's I thought that was the past, but it was not uh, 25 years or 20 years back in northern Germany. It was still reality. And then I decided to go instead my mom's path. Of She was a, like a pioneer of um, whole grain foods and like all of this organic food. And um, she started cooking classes for parents to tell them how to feed your kid in a good way. So I studied agricultural sciences with a focus on organic agriculture in my bachelor's. And then I studied environmental management. That was the long-term goal because then I figured, okay, maybe I can, instead of driving fast cars and flying around the world and do all these kind of linguistic things, (laughs) I can instead uh, give something back and uh, help companies to shrink the ecological footprint. So that was why I chose environmental management in my master's. And then when I finished that, I realized there is not really a lot of companies who pay you for that, which might also have changed now. I I see more and more jobs popping, popping up that um, most big companies have a sustainability department. But back then, that was not very common. And um, again, especially not in northern Germany, there's not a lot of industry there anyways. Yeah. And then I was a little bit floating around. I started a job um in a design agency as a project manager for content marketing which was also a coincidence I got the offer for that job and I figured since I'm not a big fan of advertising I really don't like that we pay for being confronted with all of this stupid advertising everywhere in our everyday life but I figured it would make sense to understand the industry and to see how it functions and which tools they use so I can maybe even fight them better or be more resistant or be more aware So I worked there. I told myself I would do that for six months and then if they would pay me more I would maybe do it another six months. But they didn't want to pay me more (laughs) because uh, I had this um, talk with the bosses and they were like yeah you're not really burning. And I'm like no I never said I would. I'm a good project manager and I can write and stuff but I'm not burning for advertising. i think it's very frustrating how much human resources and financial resources also are wasted in that industry so then we mutually agreed that we would uh, split our ways and then I met Martin who has also been working in the advertising industry but as a programmer for a very long time mostly freelance and always just enough so he could survive from it and never like full-time getting rich from it because he also had a desire to make a positive difference to do something meaningful and then that's why I moved to Denmark four years ago
0: such a big mix yes starting from cars to advertising to sustainability agriculture
1: yes when I was in it it felt a lot like a zigzag thing but now looking back it all makes total sense
0: (laughs) I mean you know no matter what you do in life, is going to lead to something. Exactly. You know? and, and, and the most important thing is to be happy with what you do, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Maybe you can tell me about your personal life goals. I have read something on LinkedIn around you, but I would like to hear from you.
1: Yes. Phew, I, re- I shared my life goals on LinkedIn. <laughs> you shared something <laughs> that you would remember. like to want
0: as a better place, you know, okay. and, and therefore I want to know from well. you.
1: So my personal life goals, I actually, I think in the process of, of hosting events here, I think, and starting projects, I met so many people and so many tools how to identify like what you want and how to go for it and stuff. So I probably have a various sets of goals lying around somewhere. Um, of course, it changes over time, but um, when I think about it now... It's probably like the summary of what Think is about to make a positive difference and change the world for better. So if I feel like I'm reaching that, then I don't need a lot more. Of course, I have some more precise ideas like creating a most amazing sustainable festival that is a lot about music, but also about uh, raising awareness and sharing knowledge, because I think... Festivals are a very important platform where people are open for new input and they carry it back into their everyday life. So that would be fun. And then be self-sustaining maybe is another goal that I don't want to depend on banking system or any of that. I would like to have a big garden where I can grow my own food. Um, I was trying to keep my parents from selling their garden, but I think they are considering to sell now because... I'm too far away. If I would still live there, maybe I could prevent it. But um, yes, and then definitely never entering the red race and never running after money and playing the game like so many people in our society are doing because it's not. I I don't work in that. I don't function in that. It's not. It, I felt so weird in those six months in that job where I was just waiting for the weekend and the weekend goes like poof and then it's over and I. I don't see any point in that. I don't care about material possessions so much. My only dream in in that area is maybe a camper van, like a really nice one. Um, Yeah, maybe that summarizes it. Raising awareness and and sharing knowledge is probably the biggest uh, red thread that I keep with me.
0: You talk about the garden and growing your own plants and all the thing. What my girlfriend does, she grows plants on a balcony. Yeah, and we already have close to having our own tomatoes. We have a basil. We have um, a lot of spices and flowers and everything. Nice. So it's always open. I mean, yeah. it, it does. It doesn't need to limit yourself if you're living in a city. You mm-hmm. can always grow your own plants. I mean, yeah. not in a, such a big quantity. Yes. as if you have, have your <laughs> if own if garden. If you don't
1: need a lot of veggies, then that might be fine. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. You can, that's... yeah. But I'm actually, my partner is doing the same. Uh, we have a lot of these pots on our balcony and we grow tomatoes and cucumbers and all these things every year. And it's every year like, oh, there's three tomatoes and we hope all summer that they get red before the autumn comes and it never really <laughs> works out. But that's also, of course, because we're too busy. So we're too late planting it out and so on. So there might be some more potential in it. For me, it's more the the idea of also being out of the city, being in the connected to nature and really, yeah, feeling the seasons and seeing how the food is growing in the soil and all of
0: that. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Personally, me and garden, it doesn't go hand to hand because I'm really bad when I need to take care of a plant, oh, I'm really bad at it.
1: You have the black thumb. Yeah. <laughs> I I'm have like, it as well, actually. <laughs> my
0: my mother, she used to go a lot of times to vacations with my father and everything. And she always told me like to water her flowers and everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm always like, yeah, I'm going to water the flowers, water the flowers. <laughs> and always she comes back and the flowers are dry. Yes. Because I'm, you know, I'm bad at it. Yes. But, but I have a cat that I care and I feed oh. and everything. So...
1: That's another life goal. I want to have a cat again. Good that you say that. I had it. Yeah, I was thinking about it. I want to have a cat. I had one for 18 years and now we're living in an apartment in the city. So I'm, I have to wait.
0: Having a cat is great, you know. I know. You come home, <laughs> they think that cats there are egocentric and everything, they don't care. And, but, they just but, have their own opinion. But that's not true. Yeah. My cat cares. She always wants to be next to me. She always mm. lies next to me. She always eats with me and everything. So. Yeah it depends how you grow with it yes what was your driving force basically becoming an entrepreneur
1: um well mainly i guess the desire to do something meaningful and realizing that in the current system that is you can't make a living from that so i kind of felt like i have to create my own job if i want to do this because i remember back in hamburg i was it's a beautiful city hamburg the architecture these nice buildings um a lot of old money also in that city but every time after work i passed by this beautiful lake and i was sitting there and thinking like how can i like i'm i'm well educated i'm super motivated i have ideas that i want to work for but there's simply no platform for me i can't i can't use that motivation really so it was kind of a logical consequence okay i have to create my own platform um i don't think i would have done it alone though so it I, it's not that i had the intention i will just become an entrepreneur it was only when i met martin and we started okay maybe there are some possibilities of creating something together that i realized oh then yeah i can just then create my own job and not that i can make a living from it but <laughs> at least i have something meaningful to do every day
0: you basically you have something to not say live for but you have something you know conquer because you have a dream you have passion yes and and I,
1: i mean i do have an impact I, it's sometimes it's a bit frustrating because in our society also money is really the only reward that counts in that sense i i believe that there is money is a form of energy flow and there it's different forms of energy flow and for me it's rewarding enough if our members or our guests approach me after the event or during the project and say, oh my God, this is so amazing that you do this and thank you. And there is a lot of gratitude and a lot of um, positive feedback. And and that's what I live off. So luckily, I'm uh, not depending on generating an income. So that's a luxury that I know not many people have. And uh, since my partner is a programmer, that gives us a lot of freedom because if we need money, then he's working for some clients. And then, I mean, it's not as simple as I say it now. It's, of course, we have a lot of um, pressure and there's never really enough money. We have to pay the rent every three months. And there has not been one quartal or how do you say, like one quarter of the year where we knew already in advance oh yeah this time it's not gonna be a problem it's every three months it's again like oh shit the deadline is coming again and we don't know because um yeah i have a big passion for knowledge sharing or smart assing you can also call it like that but i just like to share what i know and um, i've always been like i'm an extrovert uh i guess but with my friends, I've always been discussing with them about, like, why why is it like this? Or why are they doing that? Or why don't they consider... I had this roommate once. I moved in that apartment, super nice apartment. And I asked him, so where's the organic trash? And he looked at me, like, super confused. Like, uh, yeah, we don't have organic trash. And I'm like, oh, so you don't separate it? And, no, no, we don't produce it. <laughs> so he was just eating, like, zero vegetables. And I was, like, super, like stunned about how he could still walk upright he was working in a club at night and like getting wasted every day basically and not eating any vitamins he just lived from like deep frozen pizza and uh, shawarma and all of these things but then when i lived there after a year i moved out and he started to cook and he actually bought like bell pepper and things and so it it's fun i think to inspire people just by not by trying to teach them um On you know being the like from above kind of person who knows things better, but just by by inquiring and trying to understand why are they behaving like that and then show them another alternative because there's a lot of benefits to living more sustainable. It's not only about your personal health but about basically everything so I've always enjoyed those discussions um and for me, I think that was the main driving force of creating think in the form that it is now, yeah,
0: okay interesting interesting when i was researching yesterday thing.dk homepage and basically your linkedin right Mm -hmm. one interesting thing that i found out that was written under your description is that i think that knowledge transfer and sharing are essential in making this world a better place oh yes so therefore i wanted to ask you do you really think that that would make a world a better place
1: Yes I'm I'm very convinced and I mean there is this old saying knowledge is power and there is a lot of people in the world who don't have a lot of access to knowledge and there was one moment during my studies when we learned about the so-called uh, Kuznets curve which is um, a diagram that is describing how the degree of environmental damage increases with time and it's, it shows that um, the more a society develops, the higher the environmental degradation increases. And at some point it hits a peak. And um, that's when people realize, oh shit, we are fucking everything up and everything is getting destroyed here. And we have to think about the environment and the nature and we have to start decreasing our negative impact. Otherwise, we would there's not a lot of left to live off. Um, so that's called the Kuznets curve. And in my studies, there was a paper um that i forgot the author's name of now but um he had this hypothesis that there is something uh, that he called the funnel of knowledge or the tunnel of knowledge that would um allow to cut the peak of that curve if we would just go to to uh vietnam for example and try to relate to them the value of the of the untouched nature they have and the biodiversity and the forest and all of these things that don't only have a the value of wood, for example, if you just cut down the trees to make wood or you build houses from it or whatever. But um, there is a lot of other services that this ecosystem provides for us. And that's uh, erosion prevention and um, climate regulation and biodiversity and a lot of other services that are provided by forest itself. And in these um, developing countries, that is not taken into consideration because they are still concerned with making money to survive, to make a living, actually, which is not a concern we have so much anymore in our Western uh, industrialized countries because that is kind of taken care of, especially in Denmark by the state. Like you, There is not really a danger of you to, to starve. But in those countries, you have to make sure that you have enough money to ensure that you and your family are surviving. Um, so they don't think about the long-term effects of what they lose when they cut down the forest. So I think really that um, knowledge sharing is a key factor. Um, Of course, not alone, but it's a key factor in, in trying to change things because people are just too busy to think about these things because they're running for the money and they don't reflect about the consequences of their choices. And if we manage to help people slow down and think about the bigger picture and give them input in, in what are the consequences of... Yeah. Short term decisions, I think, then that really makes a big difference.
0: Lately, I have noticed that people really start caring about the world Mm -hmm. because we are close to extinction. Yes. If we're going to continue the same way producing mass production products, Mm -hmm. then, you know, and all the factories and everything, the ozone layer is going to just die out and we're just going to die out. You know, lately I haven't noticed that because when I was younger, there was winters. Winter, spring, Mm -hmm. summer, autumn, right? Now, lately in Denmark, I haven't noticed winter at all. There is like... The mud season. Winter is like the mud season. The snow is there for a couple hours and then there's no more snow. Yeah. I believe that's because of us. And because yes. of the factories and you know, all the exhaustion. I mean, the
1: human impact in climate change is is proven like many times. So I i wouldn't definitely not doubt that. I think that also b- many people who do not consider climate change a human caused uh, development, um, they say that, oh, yeah, but the climate has always changed. You know, in the past 10 million years, there was ups and downs and ice ages and blah, 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 blah. But um, of course, it's. I think the scientists are very, very clear about um, how big the human impact and the current change is. Just yesterday I talked with a friend who had an idea for a project um, to make um, some kind of music performance uh, related to the fact that it was just announced, okay, from now on we have 18 months left to change things. Otherwise, there's no way back because we're reaching this tipping point. There's a really good uh, YouTube video about that's already, I think, 10 years old or so, which is really, really scary that it, you know, we knew all of these things for a long time, but the problems have not been pressing enough. And the problems especially concern only the people who do not have so much impact um, and who do not have access to all the knowledge and so on. So they suffer the consequences. And we sit here and say, yeah, but it's not really that bad because, you know, we can just I don't know, build bigger dams or all of these things. There is really great movements, I think, right now. The Fridays for Future and the Extinction Rebellion, who are making a lot of noise. Um, Still, I get scared when I then go back to Germany and visit my friends, and they never heard of it. I'm like, "Why are you kidding me? Like, they have an action group in each city, like in the meantime, but and they are not people who don't care about the state of the world. It's just oh, they didn't notice it. it."
0: You know, we can talk about sustainability and how we can change the world for hours and hours and hours, but you know, I believe that that's, that's really not in our power, you know, that's the government has to decide and the world has to decide and you know, we have to unite ourselves ourselves together. I'm not going to comment on that. (laughs) No, please don't. (laughs) Let's talk more about the business and the thing.dk. Yes. Can you tell me the story behind the name? How did you decide to come oh, up with this name?
1: That's a very short story, easy. Please. <laughs> uh, my partner Martin, he is kind of a nerd. Um, he's been programming for 30 years almost, I think. Oh, 25, let's not be rude. Um and he was into the internet and all of these things like pretty early and he just bought the URL, think.dk, like a long time ago, when he thought, Oh maybe I can use it for something someday. And then he had it already. And then yeah. So think.dk basically existed. Only there was not nothing happening in it. Um and I figured that makes sense because we wanna make people think, we wanna raise awareness and we wanna I mean, there is also something that sometimes I think like maybe we should call it feel or like something else, you know, because thinking is also everyone's overthinking and all of this breeding and stuff. But um, it's he had three startups before and it was always like, how do we call it? And first we have to check which URL is still available. And then he actually had one company at some point that was called um, in Danish, but translated to English. It was called, what are they called? (laughs) Because that was an available URL. So, um, yeah, it was because we had the internet address and then we kept it easy.
0: Okay, that's interesting. That's yes. interesting. So it wasn't like brainstorming, you know. Oh, thinking, no, that would thinking. have been
1: probably a very, very difficult process if we would have. <laughs>
0: because that's what happened to when I was basically starting a startup. Yeah. Could you tell me about the services that Thing.dk offers?
1: Yes, um, it's uh, always like a moment, uh, like how do you say, like a state of the, no, Ugh. I don't know how to say that, but it's, that's how it is right now because it's always changing. Sometimes we started up probably with a pretty different um, set of services, um, but right now I think probably the main service is that we provide the space for the community of changemakers that we are growing here. That is also the most demanded service, I would say, because Copenhagen is a very expensive city rent-wise, and there is a lot of people who have great ideas and um, great initiatives, but they never come into being, really, because they cannot rent a room. And then if you want to do a launch event or a workshop or something like that, and you have to rent a room for 1,000 kroners for one hour or something like that, then You just don't do it, because if then only two people come, then you made lost a lot of money. So very early on we decided we would um, offer the space for our members, basically for free, so you get a membership and then you can use the space. There's a few conditions, um, like it needs to contribute to positive change um, towards a more sustainable society. And we can only host 50 people in here because we only have one exit. And then it needs to be public. So if you want to do a private event, like an exclusive event of some kind, then you can rent the room. That's another service that we provide. So it's not the space is not only exclusively accessible for change makers, but also for organizations, for NGOs, if you want to do a meeting, um, like want to get out of your office, you want to do something else, because it's a very unique space. It's very cozy, very homey also. Yeah, yeah. and then um, you can... Use it also for co working. So, we just launched a co working membership that's a bit more expensive than the basic change maker membership, maybe you can call it. Um, Because then you also have 24 hours access and you have some space here to keep your stuff and all of that. Uh, We have a tool library where people can borrow tools if they need to fix something. And then we realize all kinds of projects that are related to sustainability and positive change. For example, uh, the biggest one probably right now is that we are building a food distribution platform, like an online platform, together with uh, one of the food co-ops here in Copenhagen. Because we believe that we need an alternative to supermarkets. Me coming from Germany, I'm very used to farmers markets. That's where I used to get my food. And that doesn't exist here. So that was one of our focuses in the beginning, I would say, to find an alternative to the supermarkets here. So projects like that, we have different work groups where people join. If if you're interested in education or if you're interested in technology, how can we use that in a more sustainable way? Then you join the work group and from that grow different projects um, that we realize here also together with other initiatives or organizations. We have a web development. Uh, That's our first spin-off. So the idea is if we start a project and it becomes kind of like a self-sustaining Income-generating project, then that would be become its own company, and the profit would feed back into Thing to help us cover the rent and all of that. Because Thing is very strong on the or very clear on the non-profit orientation. We don't make compromises on that successfully for three years now.
0: So you are a startup still, right? Because you're still like in the four year. Yeah, because the third
1: anniversary is in September. Yeah.
0: So you are a startup that doesn't like to put herself into box yes because uh, of what you it. explained me is that um, you offer three type of memberships kind of one is for the free membership the second one was is that you can rent a space the second mm. third one is the co-working
1: the renting is not a membership that's uh, just a service yeah, we offer everyone service, yeah. can rent the space and then mm-hmm.
0: there is this different kind of events oh that yes. i also saw that you also have mm-hmm. offer different kind of events yes On that is
1: ho- also a part of, uh, that's probably the most visible part from looking from outside Mm -hmm. because um, the members use the space to organize events Uh, when we started initially me and my partner we thought okay what can what do we have to share what can we teach people or share with people that are interested in it so we put up kind of like a very rough schedule and we hosted maybe two events a week or one a week or something like that and um, the intention has always been that with time the members would the schedule, so they would have a playground to explore and to to experiment without, yeah, having to take any financial risks for that. Um, if you do an event here where you sell tickets, then you pay a share to the house. But uh, other than that, you don't have any. You don't have to pay us anything to do so. And the last season, we are operating in seasons from from January to June and from August to December. And we use the time in between to integrate the learnings that we have and eventually adapt the concept. But the last season um, that ended in June, uh, we had about 30 events a month. So we had at least one Im- event every day. And they all spread over six categories. Creativity, health, environment, community, education and technology. So all of the events fit in one or more of those categories. um, And that's because we believe that it's important to approach sustainability with a very holistic perspective. If you only look at the ecological or environmental sustainability, then you can't really make a sustainable change because you forget about what about the people behind it, what about the stress load that we all suffer from. And so we have to have a more coherent approach somehow. So we did not only look at the environmental sustainability, but also it was in the cultural sustainability and the financial sustainability. And
0: yeah. Okay. Such a broad startup or business plan yes. that you're very, having. Yes. Very, very broad. Very broad. <laughs> I can, I can hear it. <laughs> Uh, but I have also checked some of the events and, mm-hmm. and I have also questions regarding those because, you know, I'm not a member of it, right? Mm-hmm. So I saw some of the events that you offer is one of them is Repair Cafe. The oh, yes. second one that seemed very interesting was the Nerd Night. Mm-hmm. And the third one is the Women Sharing Circle. Mm-hmm. And then you offer more and more and more and more other ones, yes. right? Yes. Do I need to be a member to attend one of those events? No,
1: not at all. So you need to be a member to host an event, Mm -hmm. but you can be a guest for everything. We have very few events that are kind of exclusive for members, and that's um, the community dinner, because we decided that we need some space to nourish the, the core community that is growing here. And it became a little bit exhausting when every time there were half people were members at the dinner and half people were new people. So you would spend the whole evening explaining what the thing is about because it is not possible really to explain it in one sentence. Then there was no time for for the established members to connect and to talk about collaborations and all of these things. So um, the community dinner is exclusively for members. And actually, I don't. No, right now, if they're in the upcoming season, if there's anything else that is exclusive, maybe not. Maybe all the other ones are accessible for everyone, and that's also one of our core values: is inclusivity and accessibility. That we we are open for everyone, and we want people from all backgrounds and all cultures and all ages and independent of their financial situation um, to come here. We took that a little bit too serious in the beginning because most of the events were for free. We are trying now to encourage the hosts also to charge a little bit because in Denmark it seems to be usually that people think if you get it for free, then you don't get a lot of value from it, which is a lot of times that's totally not true, but that seems to be the perception. So we try to encourage them like it's okay to charge if you teach someone to, I don't know, create some tincture from herbs that you know supports your health or so then you can charge for that because, you know, the cafe around the corner, they are offering fermentation courses for a thousand (laughs) kronas, And people pay that because then they think, oh, then I get this beautiful glass and it's like just kind of fancy, even though it's just putting cabbage in a jar. But yeah.
0: I have attended a lot of free events and I will totally agree with you, Anya, in Mm. this one that most of them, they don't deliver the value. So is there any specific theme? You said education events, right? Mm-hmm. Self-health?
1: Yeah, health and personal well-being, environment. Technology is also one of the areas that we are trying at least to be active in, but it turns out to be kind of difficult. Of course, we have Parent Note as a development consultancy that is also very sustainable in, in their holistic approach. They are because I don't know if, if you ever heard that, but writing good code is also making a difference in terms of how much power is used from computers to build up the site and all of that. And a lot of homepages are horrible in that sense. In that sense, we are active in the technology area, but it's difficult to find people who want to share something. And maybe the Nerd Nights, um, that could be something in the future that could develop here. But that's a very new thing. It's It's the first event. So the Nerd Night could be something about technology in the future. The event on next Saturday on the 17th with Mark Turrell is, I think, very interesting. Um, he wrote this book on scaling and stuff, and he has a 25-year plan to change the world, and he says he's in year 11. So that can be very interesting. And he's um, also the the person who's hosting it is very much into technology. Yeah, it's very broad. What can I say? <laughs> it's actually, we didn't make this up, but we deducted these categories from the events that popped up. So at some point we looked at scale. Okay, we have to somehow give a little bit of boxes to it because people kept asking, "Yeah, but what is it? A yoga studio or is it a blah blah blah? Where can you put it?" Now we have these categories. They might change again.
0: Also, when I was uh, researching your uh, your startup thing.dk, one thing that seemed very interesting that actually every company has a competitor, right? Because you Mm. know that's one of the driving forces to succeed and to be better. To have this, you know, is it? race. <laughs> and uh, I could not find, or maybe I could not understand what it think about, but now I understand. I have a more clear vision about it. Mm-hmm. However, I still want to ask you this one. Who are your competitors and do you have any?
1: Very clear answer. No, we don't have competitors because even if there is initiatives or organizations that are working in the same field or to wait towards the same goal, For us, by definition, that's collaborators, or at least potential collaborators. We don't feel like we have to win over someone else or to be better than someone else who's doing the same. I remember that when uh, we started developing the concept, I did some research about, you know, what is out there in Copenhagen and maybe also, of course, to get inspiration, but also to get a sense of, you know, would people even want that. And um, I found... uh, One organization, Tinkwe, the Spiritual Fitness Center, I don't know if you heard of them, they're located in the city center with a similar structure, very different focus, they are very clear about that spirituality and they have, you know, meditation and all of these things, but also a membership-based concept. And that was very motivating for us because they, back in, in the days when we met them, they reached their full capacity. So we were like, oh, that was a big push for us in terms of this can actually work um but they we never considered them a competitor and in the meantime there is uh, three or four places around that have kind of a similar focus you know there is there is co-working spaces with a green agenda and there is incubators with who are doing projects to save the world and so on so there like there is an overlap with quite some um other initiatives but I w- would always call them potential collaborators and never competitors because it's not that we are fighting over clients in that sense we don't sell a product um, I think we're all here uh, for the same reason and we fight for the same thing
0: okay <laughs> you feel very confident I would say yes you know, you feel very confident and it's really important to feel confident and really believe in your dreams and believe in what you are fighting for mm-hmm. and I believe that you know if we gonna all unite together we can save the tomorrow. Yes. Because, you know, we want a better tomorrow and, you know, we want... And that's
1: you. Yeah, sorry, but that's actually also a very big challenge that um, startups in general don't really have any time to collaborate with other people. And I just read an article about that yesterday, how what is the biggest obstacle that keeps social entrepreneurs back is that they don't prioritize collaboration because so many people are reinventing the wheel and... I know that there's more organizations like us. We don't care to share how we're doing everything. We we share our financial status and our blog and all the processes and all the guidelines and all of that is accessible. So that there's not like a business secret that we are sitting on. And I, every time someone asks us, oh yeah, I want to start a place like this. Maybe there's one guy in New Mexico and one girl in Berlin and so on. I happily share however we do it. I, my dream is to have a manual like how to start a place like this and send them a PDF and then they can go for it because I don't believe that there is any point in keeping secrets in saving the world.
0: No, there's no secrets when it comes to saving the world. I'm still starting to understand dk. <laughs> so it's a bit confusing, you know, I'm yes. trying to put everything in kind of boxes a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I I really kind of see that you've been around I if i'm not mistaken in around more than four years thing.dk exists
1: we started four years ago to work on the concept and to make the space ready and stuff we opened in september 2016 okay yes so we're approaching our three-year anniversary
0: so three-year anniversary Mm-hmm. could you maybe tell me what's your biggest obstacles or have you had any obstacles? Uh, I oh, guess you yes. did, because every startup has an obstacle. So what what were your biggest obstacles mm. during these three years?
1: Easy money. <laughs> the funding. I mean, of course, it's kind of to expect it if you're running a nonprofit and if you're stubborn about making compromises for money. But uh, the fact that the concept is so new, kind of, to have a space like this that is kind of doing many things at the same time, but mostly being a space for people to use their human potential, then that's difficult to explain in a funding application. If you didn't see it, I mean, now you're here and you see it and you get maybe a bit better sense of it. But I don't know, people who work at some kind of foundation for 20 years and are very used to thinking in boxes and categories and all of these things, it's really difficult to communicate that to them. Um, So the funding thing was a challenge from the beginning. We said we would fund it ourselves, so we are investing our own money into it, and we are still making a minus every month, but we believe that it's worth it, and we decided to go for the membership model so we could be independent of investors and funding applications and all of these things. We need about 200 members to, to cover our running costs, and we are on a good way to reach that. But of course, that needs a long breath, we looked into foundations uh, before we opened. Denmark, I think, is the country with the most foundations in the world, even like independent of the size. It's amazing. Every company has a foundation here that gives money to whatever kind of courses. But most of them don't cover running costs. So if you want to buy stuff, then you get money. But if you only want to pay the rent and the people who do the work, you don't get any money. That's about the private foundations. And with the public funding... It's maybe even more difficult to communicate the concept because that's just the old paradigm all over the place and things go really slow and they just don't get it, I think. I talked to uh, our secret twin uh, some month ago. I found out that there is a place just like Think in Berlin that exists for seven years. It's called Baumhaus Berlin. And because someone told me, oh, it sounds like this place, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I heard that before, but it's different. <laughs> but then I looked at the page and it sounded like exactly the same uh, they have the same mission, like they're even using the same words and all of that. And I talked to them, okay, so how do you finance it? Yeah, well, we we don't make a minus anymore since three months. So they it took them six years to balance the financial side. And they also only finance it through renting out the rooms. Yeah, so that's the biggest challenge, the funding part.
0: Is there any other obstacles that you have had or challenge?
1: I had a child three months after we opened. That was also maybe a bit of a challenge.
0: So that's more like uh, family stuff. But yeah, but I yeah. mean, if
1: you if you imagine, you know, new moms don't get sleep really anyways. And if you then have a company on top of that, you basically just don't sleep anymore. But um, yeah, it was kind of, it happened. And, it, and looking back, it was fine. I don't know. If I would do it like that again. But then again, if I would have waited until we are established, I probably would have become a mom with 43 or something. And that was also not so tempting.
0: But I believe it made you stronger.
1: Yes, definitely made me stronger.
0: That's the great part. It's always, always <laughs> made everyone <Yeah>. stronger. <laughs> yeah. Always take the positive side. Yes. From everything. Yes. Let's say that you are able to rewind those years, right, of Mm. think.dk and start everything all over again. Mm. We know it's not possible because what's already begun, you cannot rewind it. Mm. Time machine doesn't exist. If you had a chance to start all over again, what would you do different? Or maybe you believe that everything you have done, you have done in the right Mm. way and that's okay. I mean...
1: I think maybe the one thing that I would do differently would be to employ someone after I had my child to do my job because back then I thought oh you know it's it can't walk <laughs> the baby so it's just like that we had a very easy child he, he was super sweet and we were very lucky um so I could work while he was very very small um but looking back I that was stupid I should have enjoyed the the early months and just let someone else do their job. But that's the thing with the startup, I don't know if you experienced that. That you never really feel like there is someone else who can do it <laughs> because it's there's so many loose ends and you it's difficult to document all of it. And if I would have to train someone to do my job, I would could do it as well myself in the same time. So yeah. So that would be maybe the one thing that I would do differently. But other than that, it's we postponed the opening twice because we were not finished, but then we were like, okay, we'll never be finished. So let's just jump and figure it out on the way. And I think that was the right approach. A lot of startups, I think, spend too much time trying to be really, really ready. And then, you know, everything comes different anyways after you start. So yeah, don't spend too much time preparing.
0: <laughs> I will agree with you again and again. Good. <laughs> you can never be ready. And, and yeah, I mean, you learn. You go, you learn. That's the journey and you have to enjoy the ride. And that's all it's about, I guess, right? Because I've been interviewing a lot of startups up till now. I think you are my number 11th mm-hmm. or 12th. All of them, they have some that, you know, they don't feel confident. And then at the same time, if they feel confident, you know, you have to believe in what you be- do. And 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 if you believe Everything going to go the right way and, you know, there's no startup that have went smoothly and became rich the next year or two years later.
1: Maybe some. Maybe <laughs> some, maybe some.
0: But nowadays, you know, there are so many startups. They, the market is so saturated that, you know, mm. it's hard to get noticed. I mean, if you're the ne- not next Steve Jobs, then, you know, yes. it's a bit different.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: Now I would like to know, since you've been an entrepreneur for a while already, Mm -hmm. this is more you recommending to other ones. Mm -hmm. What main key activities would you recommend to other entrepreneurs to invest their time in to basically succeed their goals?
1: What have helped
0: you to succeed?
1: That's a good question. I think probably one core thing is self-care. Because 95% of entrepreneurs just... Like that's that what falls down the table. That's like all the way in the bottom of the list and you don't last four years if you don't take care of yourself. And I only started taking care of myself maybe two years ago or one and a half years ago even, which was when I kind of hit the bottom and I was like, this, it, I can't do it anymore. So take care of yourself and take some timeouts. And it also helps a lot to, to stay connected kind of because it... A lot of times it happens, you're running and running and running and then suddenly you realize, oh, this was not what I started with. Like it's somehow you end up in a completely different direction and then you're not happy with it anymore. So um, taking time off for yourself to, to stay connected with your motivation and your values, I think is very important. And then my favorite activity is interaction with people and I... Just know from here, say that in, in some, especially if you start alone, your own company, that can be very rare. And for me, it's super rewarding. And that's what keeps me alive here, the interaction with with the community, with the guests and with my colleagues. Because when I spend a few days only staring at the computer because I do, I don't know, social media stuff or emails or whatever it is that is just virtual or digital, that's just not healthy to do that all the time. So... Yeah, connect with the people that that you do it for also, with with your target group or however you might call it, (laughs) because then you also grow a lot from that. I think you get nice feedback and maybe also not nice feedback, but then you can learn from it as well.
0: So basically network.
1: Yes. Also network. When I would say, I don't know, then you meet a lot of people who have a lot of ideas, how you could do things differently. And that can also become exhausting. For me, it's more the interaction with the members and the the community. and It's it's like my family would be a bit too extreme, but as an entrepreneur, you don't have time to hang out with your friends every other evening. So if you do what you love doing, then it would automatically attract people who love the same thing. And then theoretically, you would be on the same wavelength with these people as well. That's what's recharging me also a lot. And then... um, Maybe one more thing would be to escape the bubble. I mentioned it a bit earlier, like the echo chamber or whatever, because sometimes you end up thinking it's all only about this and it can be depressing to leave the bubble. But uh, I think it's important to stay connected to the outside world and follow the other bubbles, maybe.
0: Don't, don't, basically don't forget yourself Mm -hmm. in all this startup thingy, right? Remember Mm -hmm. who you are and what you live for and, you know. Mm -hmm. Remember to take care of yourself.
1: And really, also really unplug. I think one of the best habits I developed is to leave the phone out of the bedroom. Because I saw this video with Simon Sinek, who said, get a fucking alarm clock. (laughs) You know, it's not an excuse that you need the alarm from the phone. Get a fucking alarm clock. It's really, really nice to be able to fall asleep because you didn't stare on the blue light screen for half an hour.
0: But you can now switch it off. The blue light. Yeah, you oh. can switch off, and then it helps. Yeah, there's a new filter know. in the phones. <laughs> that, uh, in my phone as well. Yeah, there's a new that. there's a new filter that uh, turns your blue screen. It calls blue screen mode, oh. and it turns your screen into yellow thing. So therefore, your okay. brain can. Uh, Rest. so you don't
1: need the glasses anymore no, that's nice and you can
0: rest yeah and it helps personally i use it mm-hmm. and and it automatically switches when the light switches so yeah i mean I knew
1: my partner has it for the computer screen yes um i didn't know that it was what yeah but still i will not bring it into the bedroom no i shouldn't no, no. start with that again because i mean
0: blue screen blue screen is one thing the radiation is a completely different yes. story right that's yeah. a completely different subject we can talk about later <laughs> yes Another thing that I would like to ask you is basically, you went in entrepreneurial, this journey, right? Mm -hmm. And um, you've been already a couple of years, as I already have mentioned before. Maybe you could tell me some of the tips that, you know, you wish you knew before you went into this entrepreneurial Mm -hmm. environment to suggest other ones, you know? Yes.
1: Uh, One painful realization is um, that it's super demanding to work with volunteers because i i I was completely naive i could do you know i could work with people i was always i had an easy time and taking charge and help people get stuff done but volunteers is so different and really really difficult for me at least to navigate and i think if i would know before i would work with, with volunteers i would probably like do a uh, education and that like do a course or something because I I learned it the hard way how difficult it is that would not have to be that way I guess then programming programming always takes longer than planned sometimes much longer sometimes like a year longer or something that was also I was super naive about that I'm like oh okay cool only two days of work then we have a ticket sale system in two days (laughs) So that's not how it works.
0: That's not how it works. (laughs) That's not how it works.
1: Um, So I wish I knew that before as well, because there was a lot of expectations and disappointments on the way that uh, were kind of unnecessary if I just had a realistic picture of how programming works. I'm not... I, I considered a few times maybe I should just learn it to make it faster, but my brain is definitely not wired for that. Yeah, and then one thing that I also maybe learned only one and a half, two years ago, is that this is a fucking privilege and that we should enjoy it and not work all the time, but really be present and make the best of the moments that we have to enjoy ourselves also.
0: Because we only have one life to live.
1: Yeah, I don't know so much about that. <laughs> That's a, almost a religious statement, but uh, this life is short, I would put it like that, and There's a lot of people who are doing the 9-to-5 red wheel and they're not even aware of how weird their life is compared to free people who do what they enjoy doing.
0: That's true. That's true. I really agree with that. Now we have almost close to our end. I would say it's almost the end. And this is more for you and basically for uh, thing.dk because I'm really enjoying listening to you and I'm really enjoying to Thank understanding you. what is thing.dk about and Did you understand it now? I understand <laughs> it and I'll do some <laughs> recap so you you correct me afterwards <laughs> if I say something wrong but I will try to recap it.
1: Okay.
0: Thing.dk is co-working space. It's a place that offers events a place where you can organize events and you can attend different kind of educational health technology events mm-hmm. right you offer three types of memberships or four if i wasn't mistaken it's it's changing it's, it's not changing. put a number
1: to it we are offering memberships
0: yes. <laughs> thing.dk is one of the startups that doesn't like to put themselves into the box. Mm -hmm. You like to kind of be more broad and think outside the box. And I really admire that because that's what really world needs something that thinks outside the box and cares about the environmental changes and everything. Some of the things that you recommended to other entrepreneurs is self care is to stay connected and don't forget about yourself and what you're living for, enjoying and network, but at the same time, you know, live the life and enjoy the life. And as the last thing, as you said, that the knowledge and knowledge sharing is the power and we have to do so. Yes. Did I get it right? I agree. Great. And now this is for you and for listeners to find out more about thing.dk and where to basically read about it, is where and how can people find you, read about you, and even read about thing.dk?
1: You can find it, surprisingly, at think.dk, <laughs> which is, well, the Danish. If you're an international person, it's http colon double think.dk. So that's the internet address. And if you're in Copenhagen, then we are located in Österbro and Erbelögel Nummer 4 in the inner yard, very hidden where Fitness World is. And also, Österbro, the biggest rooftop farm in Copenhagen, is our direct neighbor. So come by and uh, you can just drop in anytime or you check our schedule on the homepage and see what event suits you. We have a Friday bar next Friday, which I don't know what the date is. Maybe the 15th, 16th. We will find out.
0: Next Friday.
1: Yes. Come by for beer.
0: Come by for beer next Friday.
1: Organic and local. And we call it Friday Bar Big Talk because that was also an observation. Small talk is not really happening here. People talk about important stuff, and that's very inspiring every time.
0: Do you do any social media?
1: I'm trying. (laughs) We are uh, on Facebook, Think Copenhagen, and uh, on Instagram, it's think.dk. We have a page on LinkedIn, but we're not active on LinkedIn so much because you can only do so many things with two hands. We have a pretty big group where we also promote the events, but Facebook is probably the most active channel. We also have a group on Facebook that you can join if you want to read some internal stuff, but I would always recommend to just come by because that's where life happens, in the reality.
0: In the reality. I'll thank you again, Anya, for this lovely conversation, I really have enjoyed it. And I have really started to understand Think.DK and I'll definitely follow all the events that you do and definitely attend one of those because some of those are up in my alley. And I also hope that you have enjoyed your second yes. podcast experience.
1: Very much. Thank you.
0: And uh, I hope that also listeners, I'm definitely sure that they also enjoyed because, you know, a lot of the listeners, they care about the sustainability and the environment. And if some of you who listened to the episode together with Anja Muller, mm-hmm. the founder of uh, Thing.dk, then uh, remember to contact her. And even drop by the office, the headquarters and enjoy some, you know, coffee, tea, water or even maybe a beer.
1: Maybe, yes.
0: And I thank you all for listening.
1: Yes, I thank you and uh, thanks for inviting me. It was really nice talk.
0: Thank you for joining me. Goodbye. Goodbye.
1: Bye.